Hello and welcome to Upon Further Review, a weekly podcast covering the Summit Athletic Conference here in Fort Wayne, Indiana, our first episode of the season. What we're going to bring to you tonight is a little bit of recruiting. We're, we're pleased to bring on Alan True from 247 Sports. Then we'll give you a rundown of all the Summit Athletic Conference teams. All 10 of them give you some insights, give you to what to expect from each of these teams leading into the scrimmages on this Friday night. And as the season goes on, we'll give you a recap of the of our game of the week that is on 1380 The Fan 100.9 FM. And we'll lead up into our, our open of the season with the pregame show also on 1380 The Fan 100.9 FM. So let's get the tape rolling and hit it. And good evening, everybody. I'm Eric Dudkevich, better known as Dude, alongside Coach Shannon Griffith. Coach, great to be with you this season. We're going to really go through the SAC uh, primarily, touch on some other conferences and other games as well uh, along the way, but really a cool venture for us, too. Uh, it's been a crazy summer, uh, and we'll break down all the teams momentarily, but First, I think we got to start off with recruiting. It's been a busy summer for recruiting um, and, and in the Summit Athletic Conference across the city of Fort Wayne, across the state, really. And one of the top player people to, to, to that really breaks all of this down is, you know, from a recruiting standpoint, is Alan True from 247 Sports, the Midwest uh, recruiting uh, expert. Alan, thanks for joining us on our very first episode, our very first guest here on Upon Further Review. Yeah, I'm honored. Happy to come on, and thanks for having me. Sure. Yeah, it was uh, great so for talk you. Talk a little bit about just off the bat, kind of what you do for two four seven sports, and really how that fits in with a lot of the talent we see coming through high school sports here in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Yeah, at twenty four seven sports, our we uh, cover recruiting at the major level, Division One, um, not not necessarily just Power Five, but uh, Division one is what we focus on. We write articles on the players, on the prospective recruits. We cover events from seven on sevens to camps to games. And then, you know, no, people focus a lot on the player rankings as well. So we do evaluate, rate, and rank the players. We have a whole team that does that. And so I cover the Midwest, and uh, Indiana is obviously part of that. But I have 10 states that I cover. And then we have Steve Wilfong, who I know a lot of people who follow Indiana high school football know Steve's name. He lives down in Indianapolis. So he and I uh, have, have kind of tag teamed Indiana for the most part. We used to be separate. I used to be with Scout. He was with 24-7, and we would compete against each other for the news in Indiana, and now we work together. And so it's taken maybe taken a little bit of heat off the both of us. <laughs> hey, Alan, I think the one thing that uh, we wanted to get out of this segment, and I think because recruiting is such a big component of high school football now, more so than it's ever been. I mean, it's a, it's a, something that is covered, I mean, 365 days a year, it seems like. Um, let's Before we jump into the specifics of the couple kids that are getting recruited pretty heavily here in Fort Wayne, 
I think it would be good for the audience to understand what does it mean when a kid gets an offer now versus that final written offer where it all becomes official and binding at that point. Yeah. There's, so there's a couple of ways to look at this, you know, a lot of offers because kids, you can't get a written offer until September 1st of your, your senior year. So most of the offers that these kids are getting, including some of the guys we're about to talk about are verbal. So a large amount of that, it's just a, it's a verbal promise that you are going to get that offer on September 1st of your senior year. Now, between the time that that verbal offer gets extended and that September 1st date, if you don't take care of the things that you're supposed to take care of, and that, that's everything from your academics to continuing to progress as a football player, if you don't do those things, then that verbal offer can obviously, it can be rescinded or you just won't receive the written offer. But in the world that I work in and, and we cover, I like 99% of what we deal with is verbal offers because kids, that's what kids are getting now. Everything happens so much earlier. Kids are getting verbal offers. They're committing to verbal offers. And all of that is just, a, it's a promise between both sides that is verbal and non-binding. A coach is saying, we will give you this offer to play at our school. And the recruit is saying, I am verbally accepting that offer, but both sides are subject to change. And that's where covering recruiting has become kind of a daily 365 day a year. Like you said, rat race is, is covering all of the changes and trying to figure out what is committable and what isn't. So within that verbal offer realm of these are all the verbal offers that have been extended, you have different levels of seriousness within that. Some coaches extend a verbal offer. And if that kid wants to commit to that university right there, you can take it. Other times there's verbal offers and it's really sort of a, hey, we want to still evaluate you or this is a verbal offer, but we still need you to come to camp. And so figuring it out exactly what's what is something that's changed in my job over the years because it used to not be that way. No question. And I think that's the big thing that I think, you know, because a lot of kids will get a ton of what we call offers, right? You know, they'll have it from school A to Z and some kids will get 20 some odd offers. Some kids get four some odd offers. It varies quite a bit through the spectrum of the recruiting game. And I think it gets a little bit misleading in some respects because you don't know what the qualifier is behind it, right? You don't know if it's a contingent upon. Um, one of the contingencies you touched on was the fact that you got to meet the NCAA eligibility requirements. So those are the things that are behind the scenes that ultimately qualify those offers. Now, segue in here into the guys that we want to specific uh, uh, talk about is a couple kids here in the greater Fort Wayne area. Uh, and both of them are basically top wide receivers. We first got the Tay Johnson kid who's out of uh, Northside High School. Uh, give us some lowdown on him as you see it from your perspective of watching some of these kids. Yeah, so first I think the cool thing is that both the guys we're talking about have top recruits at Northside and then New Haven since I've been covering the state of Indiana for now, you know, over 10 years. You've had a couple of recruits come out of those schools, but not necessarily big time top of board guys with these kind of offers. So I think it's great that you, you, we're kind of colleges are coming in and recruiting some different high schools. And Tay is a guy who was really known about starting in his freshman year. He came in, made a quick impact on the varsity that helped get his name out there. And then the thing that we look at at 24-7 sports more than ever now is multi-sport participation. Do you show 
ability in in other areas a, a large enough you look up and down nfl rosters and college rosters a large number of those players are standouts in other sports so when you see a guy like bronte who has some division one basketball interest and he even has one offer for basketball at the division one level right away that that's a sign for us that we need to take a close look at this guy because he's a, if he's athletic enough to be a division one basketball player that translates to receiver very well. So you have a guy with height, with length, catch radius. He can use that athleticism to win contested passes. And, uh, and I think still kind of just scratching the surface of how good he can be. You watch him and we still see some rawness there. And I think that's exciting when you have that level of athleticism and upside and still so much more room to grow. Plus, he's got a new quarterback coming in, the Bo uh, Bodie Dickerson kid that transferred in from DeWanger now. So now you've got somebody back there that can get the ball and throw it to him because he's a big kid. He's 6'3", 170. So uh, I think the biggest question that most college coaches are going to wonder is, is he a basketball player or is he going to commit to in, in football? So that'll be the big question mark as we go through the year. And we'll see. And I know – Eric, I know that you had a couple questions leading into our next young man coming up here from New Haven. Yeah. Well, yeah. First, uh, the next guy we have is is Mylon Graham from from New Haven, and you know, from a from a perspective of the Fort Wayne area, you know, he he tends to be. He's first of all, you can talk about him a little bit, but but also the idea of him being from New Haven. I mean, it's a smaller school compared, you know, outside of the SAC, outside of the main conference, outside of Fort Wayne, how that all plays in the recruiting factor as far as the attention that a lot of these guys get from some of the smaller schools that may be off the beaten path, just how that kind of all comes about for, for a kid like Mylon Graham at, at New Haven High School getting, getting big offers uh, now heading into his uh, this season. Yeah, so having done this a long time, there's I've heard a lot of people say, if you're good, they'll find you. And that's not necessarily true. Sometimes you have to be proactive about getting yourself found. And, you know, to use, a, I think, a similar example, you look at a guy like Dwayne Eskridge, who obviously had a great college career and, and made it to the NFL. If he wasn't at Bluffton, would he have ended up somewhere other than Western Michigan? Who knows, right? But you, you see examples like that all the time where that's how some of these Mac schools and G5 schools have been able to be as successful as they are. And I think with Mylon Graham, you have a couple If there's other guys who are in similar situations. You can take his blueprint in some ways and, and take a look at some of the things he's done. First of all, um, training with a guy like Dre Muhammad, who has some connections, has been around for a long time. College coaches have uh, his you know number in their Rolodex and they listen to the things he says because he's had a lot of guys over the years play at the high division one level. And then some of those offers that you see on that page didn't happen for him until this summer. He started to get some in the spring, but more of those happened in the summer because he went out and earned those offers at camp. And I think if you're from New Haven and some of these schools, if you're Alabama, you may not necessarily have a great uh, perspective on what the high school football is like in New Haven. Who are they playing? Those sorts of things. He goes down there to camp and shows them live that he can play at that level, earns that verbal offer from Alabama. So I think he's taken all of the right steps. Similar to uh, Tay, uh, Mylon was a early varsity guy, an impact guy. So it, it doesn't hurt that he has two years of varsity tape and a little bit of name behind him to be able to show these schools what he can do. So I do think that schools are willing to offer 
guys from, you know, high schools that haven't necessarily had tons and tons of top recruits, but you have to put yourself in front of them. And I think Milan's done a good job of that. Sure. And I mean, as far as when the recruiting process starts, I mean, you know, when it kicks into high gear, we talked a little bit about that, but really it's not just your high school football. I mean, seven on seven continues to grow Um, the camp process. I mean, that's all big, a big part of the recruiting process as far as just getting your name out there, getting exposure and, 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 and getting schools to notice you. I mean, the summer scene with seven on seven has completely changed, you know, the recruiting aspect. Just why is that? Maybe, you know, talk a little bit about that, Alan, if you could, as far as the significance of the seven on sevens in the summer. I think in general, the seven on sevens in the camps and all of that stuff it's significant because if you think about the course of a season, you may only have eight, nine, 10, 11 games at most to evaluate a high school player off of college coaches are busy during that time. They're, they're trying to win their own games and that's a lot of film to have to watch. And so you supplement that by some of the off season evaluation that happens. And, and now we're also talking about 14, 15, 16 year old young men who can change a lot. Sometimes the kid that you see, on that early season film is much different in June and July, you know, physically some, sometimes kids go grow three, four, five inches at 40, 50 pounds in the course of an off season. So the uh, ability for college coaches to see them in person, I think the May uh, evaluation period, the spring evaluation period, that's why you see a lot of offers going out then because they can go watch kids work out and even just meet them, see them in the high school see what they're built like physically. Um, and so I, I just think that, the process has to continue to evolve. And because of that film is a huge part of it, but it has to be supplemented by some in-person evaluation. And if you take that even up to the highest levels and look at what the NFL does with the NFL combine with pro days, with the senior bowl um, it's, you know, it, it kind of tracks with that NFL model. Yeah. I would say the biggest thing that is changed since the days that I was at ball state recruiting is you're seeing a lot and a lot more schools being a, a year earlier in the recruiting process that they're coming into, uh, into the juniors and sophomores. Now, this is a big year for kids that are in their junior year uh, season wise, because a lot of the decisions will be made off of this tape that they're going to put out. So that's a key component as well. And I tell you, the Fort Wayne area has been very, I guess you call it fruitful over the last, eight to 10 years, we've had several kids that have moved on to the top power five schools and we've got several of them in the NFL right now. You know, Jalen Smith, of course, he's battled some injuries was probably the top name to come out of the Fort Wayne area, but you got drew tranquil who played at Carroll high school, went to Notre Dame is with the, he's with the chargers or a Ben Skronik who came out of Homestead high school, went on to Northwestern transferred to Notre Dame stock went up and he's out there on the West coast too. So just to name a few kids that we've had the privilege of watching on Friday night and being able to cover and reaching that high level of, of competition. So we hope to do this again, Alan, we'd like to get to the point where we cover at least three times a season and we get to, you know, some of these Mac level players that are going to be starting to get those offers now because, you know, the big boys have kind of decided what they wanted. Now they're going to start with them, but come back again, will you? Oh, absolutely. High school football is about to start, and that'll be 
all I do and all I think about for the next few months. So it kind of there's a reason our company is called 24/7. So I'll be happy to come on anytime. Alan True from 247 Sports, we thank you for coming on upon further review and wish you nothing but safe travels this this fall season. Thank you guys. Good luck with the show. Appreciate you. Thank you. Well, like we said, that is a big facet of what uh, is on the kids' minds right now, moms and dads too. And I think, I hope that that in itself will give everybody a little bit better understanding. And that's what we're going to try to do with a lot of this is give us a better understanding than we could go in depth on, on a Friday night during our pregame show on 1380, the fan 100.9 FM. So we'll have hopefully, you know, Alan or Steve Wilfong with us and maybe have him back on in the middle part of the season, have some more, maybe breaking news for the recruiting aspect, but really appreciate that. And uh, I hope you guys that are having a chance to watch this first episode or listen to it also enjoyed it. But I think now is the time that we got to preview this sack race that's coming up, Eric. And I know that uh, I've got last year's season here that I can share on the screen, I believe. And then uh, let's start with our uh, aspect of start breaking these teams down as we go along here. Sure. Yeah, I think, you know, looking at the SAC from a year ago, Three teams come out of that as co-champions in Snyder, Carroll, and Lures. And it came down to the last game of the regular season. We were there at Lures Field that night uh, when, when Snyder clinched their share, and it was a three-way three -way dance in that regard. And I think, you know, the, the consistency of this conference in the SAC has been, um, you know, the idea that, you know, three, four teams kind of are that upper echelon, and then from there – everybody else kind of files in behind. And, and that's kind of the big question going into this year. Again, I would have to think too, is, is what is that upper echelon going to shape out as? And then also too, you know, looking beyond that, um, some of those middle of the pack teams that are trying to break into that upper echelon. And then also uh, some of those uh, teams towards the bottom that are just trying to find some consistency. Maybe they're in the second year of a head coach or whatever. So, um, you know, it's a stacked conference by all accounts again this year and something that we can look at. And, and I think it starts coach um, with the three SAC champions and, and we'll start with the Snyder Panthers. I mean, coming in again, uh, another, you know, team that has got a lot coming back this year, um, experienced group of seniors and, and really always in the hunt year in, year out at Snyder. Well, the first thing I think about when you talk about Snyder football is history and tradition from Russ Isaacs to Mike Hawley, now to Kurt Tippman in his 14th year there at Snyder, a lot of cohesiveness in their staff and what they do. He's 126 and 34 and came off a little bit. I would call a redemption year because if you think about two years ago, they had a very young defense. Now, Early on, they were not very good against the pass, and that's how they were getting victimized pretty well. But as the season went on, those sophomores got a little bit more experience that led into last year, and I think they had a better result. You know, But they had some times where they were battling to stay in at the on the W side of the column that first week against Northside last year. I think Northside gave them all they could handle and had a late, kickoff, uh, late field goal to beat them. But, you know, I think when you look at their team – uh, depth wise number one I, I think it starts with Luke Hopper 
Um, I've liked Luke. I've liked his, his mannerisms, the way he handles himself. And I think he's a good leader. I think that, um, he's one of those guys that will ultimately be, uh, their guy that's going to be their coach on the field, so to speak. Um, I really do think that, uh, I'm pulling up some video here of Luke and we'll be able to see some of these highlights of his team last year. And you can see that he's got a chance to be one of those quarterbacks. Now, I'd say one thing on him is, you know, arm strength-wise is probably not where it needed to be last year. Um, sometimes he has to cheat a little bit on the throw, especially the deep ball. But I think he's done a lot this offseason to prepare. I know Coach Tittman is very pleased with his uh, how he handles himself, and I think that's the biggest part. And I think after – Last year, I think he went into this year, you know, knowing that he had to be the guy that did did better. He completed 65% of his passes. That's not bad at all. He had eight TDs and five interceptions. And I think one thing that they do when they're spread offense is he can run the football and make plays, as we see here, hit, hitting a wide-open guy in the corner of the end zone. Yeah. And, I mean, I think for, for – you talk about the tradition of Snyder, too. I mean, the aspect for Luke Hoppert coming in is, is you know, Kurt Tittman said it the most he start Luke Hopper has started more games than any other incoming senior quarterback in, in Snyder's program history. So he's taken a lot of reps. He's led this team. They won an SAC share a year ago. They get, you know, pretty far in that sectional. They, you know, they, they lose to Dwanger. So they got that chip on the shoulder. They beat him Dwanger in the regular season, lose to Dwanger in the, in the sectionals. Um, but you know, that team got hot too, after they took their lumps in the beginning of the year, where they were, you know, one and one, and then they went on a seven-game winning streak, and I think that's that's the momentum that a lot of teams ride very high and carried Snyder. You know, of course, they lost Tyrese Brown, they lost Dominic Moon, they've lost DJ Moore, uh, but you know, those big senior classes for Snyder always kind of refills the cupboard, and some new names tend to come out of that, and I think that's where. Um, Snyder's tradition and, and really the ability to coach up kids really plays in their factor and, and, and helps out too. Well, first and foremost, Snyder is a team that is going to run the football. They know how to run the football when they have their power game going. They're very difficult to uh, beat. And I think Langston Lavelle is the kid that's going to come back this year and replace Brown. And I think we'll talk a lot about him. And, and I think one thing about this kid is he's big, he's strong. Um, he uh, He's one of those guys that um, can really explode in the hole, do a lot that way. I mean, here, here's some clips of him where you get the end zone view where you can really see this kid in his feet. He's got great feet, and uh, he can do a lot of things. I think being 6'3", 215 pounds, he's going to get those tough yards. I mean, he's just a back that's built for this offense, and I really do think that uh, he's going to be a, a great – replacement for Brown. And like you said, there's always someone uh, else out there that's going to be rising up behind him. We'll see who that is, but you got the Juarez kid on the outside that just got an offer from Eastern Michigan. And I think that, you know, they've got a team that I, you know, I think you're going to see more of the traditional Snyder that we're accustomed to. Certainly. And of course, you know, the three man race a year ago, if we kind of stay in the, if we go down the list here that another team that, that just, 
was really good was the Carroll Chargers. A 10-win season for them. Uh, they win a share of the SAC title, but also, too, they go on to win a sectional championship um, and, and then fall at, at the regional levels. Um, kind of a wild offseason, obviously, for, for Carroll um, with, with the sudden and, and sud, sudden passing of, of Owen Sheely, their quarterback. Um, but this is a team that, is, is seeing the highest of highs, experienced the low of lows in the offseason, coming together, rally. I mean, it, it, it's really going to see what this team is made of this upcoming season. Yeah, they're facing adversity, but this time it's off the field, and it's very sad to even have to think about a young man that, like Owen Shealy that lost his you know life to a dreaded disease. But, you know, I think on top of only that, but, you know, they also lost Jeff Becker, who was just a phenomenal quarterback in this league. And then you add to the add to that Coverstone, the wide receiver, who was a very talented kid. But when I saw these kids walk into media day uh, about two weeks ago, they are big. I mean, I, I've never seen Carol as big as they were when they walked into this room. I mean, the Dylan Bennett kid, the linebacker, who I think is one of the better ones in the Summit Athletic Conference. I mean, he is thick. He can run. He's got all the tools. And then the shocker that we both just got off the wires not more than 10 days ago, Jimmy Sullivan coming over from Homestead now. All of a sudden, does that mean that he's going to be the replacement for Becker from last year? I don't know. Time will tell. But all of a sudden, you look at them and what they've got around them, you know, the, the the Steely kid who's got some Mac offers as well. He's a dynamic player. He took the opening kickoff last year in their new stadium back for a touchdown. I mean, it's unheard of. I mean, this kid can make a lot of plays. Yeah. And, I mean, I, you talk about that opening night. We were there, uh, a big crowd. You know, they lost that opening game to Lures, which kind of played out in the SAC race for – for both of those teams uh, that was the one loss in the conference for Carroll and, um, and kind of kept lures in control of their own destiny all year. But for Carroll, 10 straight wins after that week one loss. So they ran the table after that up until the regionals. And so, you know, they've become a program that, you know, for years they were really struggled, especially in a, in a class five, a at the time when they were in a sectional with Snyder and they were in that tough, uh, NHC conference with Homestead and, and some of the other big boys. And now they've kind of with Doug Dynan over the years, kind of developed their own identity, developed their own program. The the fan base really buys in the it's a packed house every Friday night at that brand new stadium. And I think a lot of good things going for that Carroll program. And, and I think year after year, we're going to start hearing them in the conversation each and every time, like we've talked about for Dwanger for years and Snyder for years and, and, and Homestead the last several years. So it's a good showing for them last year. And I think that provides a lot of momentum for them this off season to continue to get better. No question. And you know, that next team that's right there, that was pretty electric last year is the Bishop lure Knights lead, led by Kyle Lindsay and his 10th season. there. Uh, going to have seven returning guys on defense. That's huge for them as well. Little up front, they're going to be young. I mean, I think graduated hurt, hurt them a little bit. Um, they stumbled towards the end of the year. Um, you know, it's hard to run the table, and they did it. And unfortunately, they tripped up against Snyder. And then, of course, Eastside got them in the playoffs. But I think the biggest question is 
who's going to replace Carson Clark? Here's a kid that threw for over almost 3,000 yards, 37 touchdowns, and only eight interceptions. He averaged about 250 a game in the passing game. I don't know if they can replace 41, 41, 42 points a game. Uh, well, time will tell with that. Um, but you know, they got a, they've got a battle right now at quarterback, uh, coming in. Uh, they got, um, I'm spacing their names right now, Duke. You got to help Charlie me out Stansky. here. Stansky. Charlie yes. Stansky and Colin McKenzie are the two there that, you that go. I was hearing about it coming out of media day. Yeah. And, and you know, so we got to that point now where, now you got to go replace a guy like Carson Clark, and now you got a battle on your hands. So we'll see. Kyle does a great job with the quarterbacks. Um, I think he plays to their strength and play calling. So I, I'm, I mean, I think they'll find their guy. Maybe they'll play too. Who knows? Yeah, some other big names uh, that that are no longer there at Lures. Sir Hale, who rushed for over oh, a yeah. thousand yards as running back. Brody Glenn, the talented wide receiver who caught most of uh, Carson Clark's passes a year ago, another a thousand yard receiver. So you're looking at a team a year ago that had a thousand, you know, a, a practically a 3000 yard quarterback, a thousand yard rusher and a thousand yard wide receiver. Um, and, and so there's a lot of talent that is gone now due to graduation, but you know, there again, it's just developing players over time in the system that Kyle Lindsay has now put in after 10 years. I think they'll find some some people. And and that defense, that's really what will stop them to, to get things over that hump again because, yes, they're probably not going to score 41 points a game, but if their defense can live up big and keep those other teams scoring low, the 21s, the 24s, the, that kind of scores on the other side for some of those bigger teams – um, in the conference, I think, you know, lures will definitely be in the hunt again. And, and, you know, defense wins championships and they've got an experienced defense coming back. The offensive line is a big question mark right. because it's so young, but, um, and, and with new players on that, but, uh, don't sleep on that, that lures defense. No question. And they're, they, you know, for a small school, a lot of those guys are going both ways. So I think, um, we'll see what happens there and uh, see who they come out with being the quarterback and, uh, but I know coach coach Lindsay will pave the way for that. So sure. the other team that uh, is next there. And I think is a team that is looking to redeem, redeem themselves a little bit from last year. Cause there's the expectations have become a lot higher than a six and four season for the Homestead Spartans. So you got Chad Zoman in his 19th season, 152 and 48. I, I mean, I have a lot of respect for Chad um personally because my son played under him and i just like the way he handled himself why he handled his kids and team and uh i know that he will look for a better better um season than last year for them i think the biggest thing has been alleviated for them because it was all talk about who was going to be the quarterback this year i mean here's a kid like peyton slavin who who had a pretty decent year last year as their starting quarterback and, you know, now there's a turmoil on who's going to be that guy because the Jimmy Sullivan kid was that guy that was going to be the next heir apparent there. Well, he's left. So I like Peyton Slavin. I like the way he plays. I think he's a hard-nosed kid. Um, you know, I, I don't think, you know, talent-wise, is he a Zach Terrell? Probably not. Um, but Coach Skelton does a great job with the quarterbacks there. And um, I think, you know, from that standpoint, you know, Peyton Slavin, look, he had 1,900 yards last year and 19 TDs. 
um, and he can run the ball. So I don't know what else I can say about the kid. I think he's a pretty good quarterback. Sure. And that offensive line is going to help him. Three returning starters up front. Uh, and now a big target for Homestead, too, coming out of the offseason. Grant Lieber, the basketball player, um, he's he's going to line up as tight end uh, and, and a receiver for Homestead, six foot seven. Uh, so a big target for Peyton Slavin. Um, and, and with that returning offensive line, a lot of different options. I mean, if you look at this Homestead team, six and four a year ago, losses to Lures, to Snyder, Carroll twice. And it's the lowest win total they've had since 2013. So, you know, their their defense has only two returners, so that's going to be an issue for them. Uh, both both on the offense or on the defensive line, so they'll have to figure that out. So, um, it's one of those things where you know it's it's kind of a next man up, and it's some of those bigger men's schools, and you mm-hmm. know when when you have graduation. But um, it's going to be an interesting Homestead team because. You know, Peyton Slavin's coming back with the big numbers. Grant Leifer enters the fold. And, and you know, can they continue to light up the scoreboard like they have in years past? And 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 if you get some of these games in a track meet, there's a lot of – it's a lot of ways that it can go. And, and Homestead can be in the mix there uh, with, with that experience coming back. Well, and that's the case. I mean – you know, I, I, like I said, I like Peyton. I think he provides the leadership they need. I think the biggest question always with Homestead is defense. Now their defense has improved greatly uh, to the point now where I think they're doing a great job playing aggressive that they do. I mean, they're playing this blitzing style four three where they're turning kids loose and taking advantage of their scheme. So, um, you know, we'll see where it all leads to. Maybe the controversy will, you know, will die down now that the it's kind of resolved itself. And we move on forward from there. Sure. Well, another team that, you know, we're getting through as we move through the SAC that says, what about us? The Bishop Dwanger Saints. I mean, a, a powerhouse in the SAC each and every year. You know, they're a team that, um, you know, has always got to be looked upon as far as, you know, as an early season favorite, you know, seven and five a year ago, five and four in the SAC. That's not a Dwanger team that we're, we're, we're expected, but they did end the season with a sectional championship. They beat Snyder in the postseason um, and 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 got to the sectional championship, then lost to, to regionals. Um, and so for them, a lot of positives coming at the end of the season after after a not-so-positive season top to bottom. But, um, you know, they talk about the unbreakable brotherhood there. That's kind of their motto this year. And now adding C.J. Davis in from Northrop, I mean, that, that makes that team – gives it an extra weapon uh, on Friday nights. Well, yeah, he was a huge ad. I mean, he's uh, right now he's committed to Marshall. He's already made a decision. He's got some other teams that are looking at him, but you know, Jason Garrett, his fifth season, 42 and 20. I know there was a lot of controversy or mumbling last year, unhappiness with the Dwanger faithful. That's an every year thing at Dwanger. <laughs> you know, that's kind of like Notre Dame, you know, they're never satisfied, but um I, you know, I think he does a great job with his kids. I like his demeanor. Um, I think he's got a pretty good offensive mind. Uh, I think the the transfer of Bo Dickerson is going to hurt them because I don't know if they've got that next guy. And um, I don't know the reasons behind that transfer. Um, quite honestly, that's none of our, I don't say none of our business of the reasons. Um, 
you know, Bode decided to move Northside, and that's what he can do. But um, we'll see where they're at. I mean, that can cause a little bit of adversity to start off, but he'll have a way to round, uh, you know, round up the guys, round up the troops, and and put whoever he feels is the best guy in there. And look, they're going to run the football too. I mean, but the you know, you talk about a kid they're going to miss is Tipman. Now. I've said this before. I said it again. There'll be another Tipman at Dwanger. I bet on. It. I mean, they, that goes back to the '80s. Like I said, when I, you know, when I played, but the, the KJ was a great player. I really liked him last year. I mean, he, in some cases, he just put him on on his back and said, "Let's go." And um, I think he added a lot. So there's another kid that's going to be hard to replace this year. Sure. And you know, a, a younger uh, team that took their lumps, so got that experience um, from a tough season gives you some adversity, gives you some momentum. And then another year later, I mean, don't you think that Jason Garrett's going to have that, those, those guys ready. And so I think Dwanger, uh, you know, a lot to be expected from them again this year, see how it all plays out. But uh, there'll be some, I'm sure some barn burners of a game in the SAC uh, when, when, when the saints match up with a lot of those teams uh, come this fall, moving on to another team. Uh, that is going through a lot of changes. The Northrop Bruins, um, new coach Quentin Bowen, who comes over, he was a longtime assistant uh, for Snyder uh, and played at Snyder. So basically, has spent the the last more than twenty years uh, on the Panthers uh, roster in some capacity. Uh, he comes over to Northrop, replaces Jason Dorfler, who went on to Leo uh, for to, to, for this season, um, and so you know. This team, a lot of question marks every year come out for for Northrop with a new coach now coming in first season, um, the loss of C.J. Davis. Um, it's probably another question mark year. What about this team, uh, Northrop, uh, for you, coach? That anything that uh, stands out? Well, you know, I think Jason got to the point where maybe he felt he did all he could do there, and it was time to seek other options that maybe helps Northrop move forward. You know, I think they've got talent. I think they've done a better job of getting the kids out, you know, and that's going to be uh, Clint's biggest obstacle is getting kids out to play. Cause there's a lot of good athletes walking around the hallways there. Um, you know, they lost some guys, but I think, you know, Hinton, uh, I think he's a talented kid. I think they got some other kids. I think they'll have a quarterback that can throw it around a little bit. Um, bit. But I think consistency with Northup's the biggest question. I mean, there's one week they could look really good, and then there's the next week that they just don't even look like a team that was, you know, had a chance at all. So if they can get consistency in their play and they can get, you know, get on the right end of uh, the lucky bounces, so to speak, they've got talent that can carry them. So I don't think it's, you know, a lack of talent in some respects. Yeah. Three and seven a year ago for the Bruins beat Concordia and Northside in the regular season. Uh, last winning season for Northrop eight and three in 2003, 2003 under head coach, Matt Stinson, Josh Gaines on that team as well, who later played in the Rose bowl for Illinois. Uh, so don't worry, North side fans. We haven't forgotten about you. We're kind of going through the list of teams from last year as far as how they settled. And that brings us back to the North side legends coach. Once again, another year with big expectations. 
Uh, Tay Johnson, we talked about him with Alan True from 247 Sports. Uh, he's the playmaker, maybe the best football player in the state of Indiana. Now you add new quarterback Bodie Dickerson, and it's a whole new show there for the Northside Legends. Yeah, I think there's a, you know, um, an air of they can get it done there. I think, you know, they face a situation like a lot of schools in the SAC do. I mean, their numbers are always questionable, you know, whether they have to play guys on both sides of the ball. But uh, when you got a kid like Tay Johnson and now you've got Bo Dickerson coming in to be your quarterback, um, you know, I think uh, Ben Johnson Jr. does a phenomenal job with his offense. I think their biggest question has been on defense the last couple of years of keeping the guys out of the end zone. But look, first week of the season uh, last year, they gave Snyder all they could handle. And I'm not so sure that game didn't beat them more than once because those kids laid it on the line and came up short. And, um, you know, I think that did a lot, uh, had a lot of psychological effect to them. So if they can get off on the right foot again this year um, with the talent they have, th they can beat anybody in the league. I mean, Tay Johnson can take over a game in a heartbeat if he's got a guy to throw to him. And he's got Dickerson to do that. But, you know, they've got some other good good playmakers out there. You know, they, they got the Lambert kid. And I mean, you can just go right down the line of the talent they have offensive line, defensive line. I don't know where they'll be with that, but um, again, I think they've got the talent that they can, they can get the job done. Yeah. And I think for Northside buy-in has been big for them. You talk, you know, hearing from, from coach Ben Johnson jr. In his second year, they're, they're, they're getting more players. Again, another school that's getting more kids from within the school to come out because there's a little bit of more swag to that Northside team. The emphasis has been in the weight room this summer. I know all five of the Fort Wayne community schools have entered in this uh, partnership for strength and conditioning with Parkview Sports Medicine. So they're getting that extra strength and conditioning. And that's big because Northside had to deal a lot with injuries last year as well. And so it was a case for them to, to be able to – to to get that same group out on the field week in and week out to even have a chance at, at competing against the Carrolls and the Snyders and the Dwangers of the world. So if these guys can stay healthy and get on the same page, uh, we the North may be in the upper North of the SAC standings. If you like what I did there, <laughs> <laughs> a little a little rhyme and reason there for there you, you dude. Yeah, yeah, I so I agree with you. I agree yeah. with you on that with, you know, everything that they face. But now, you know, we talked about Northside. Let's talk about the Wayne Generals. You know, I heard the other night uh, when they were previewing uh, the Generals that, you know, Coach uh, Haydock said something to the effect that he really feels now that it's his team. You know, he's finally got himself feeling that the guys that are on the field are the guys that he wants, that he's physically recruited to come out. And um, I think he feels they're getting better. Um, it may not show on the uh, scoreboard or in the record wins and losses wise, but I think he feels they're getting better. Um, you know, what can you say about the, uh, Nelson running back? Phenomenal kid, phenomenal r rusher. I think he's a guy that we'll talk about as the year goes on on Friday nights um, and his performance. Uh, I like the the Neiman Young kid, the D lineman, 6'3", 255 pounds. He is a physical specimen. I mean, that kid is put together um, big and strong, and they have three offensive linemen returning from last year. And, you know, Coach Haydock, 
He likes throwing the ball too. He likes to run that power run game. And I tell you, with a kid like Nelson, he's another one that, you know, is kind of like Langston Lavelle, big, strong kid that can make a lot of make up for a lot of uh, deficiencies up front. Four and eight a year ago for Wayne. They started 0 and 4 and then went 4 and 4 after that. So a little bit of momentum for a team that that struggles that has struggled in the first couple seasons under coach Haydock who will be in his third year only 6 and 17 under coach Haydock but for 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 Wayne to find that star running back to have a guy like Lamarian Nelson in the backfield Sherwood Haydock knows how to coach guys like that and, and mm-hmm. his strong running backs and I think everything else can fall into place after that uh, with a guy like Lamarian Nelson on your team, the SAC rushing champion, uh, just based off of total yards, 1,600 yards and 13 touchdowns a year ago. Another guy I like to walk out for is is Jacob Sharon. Uh, mm-hmm. He is the 300-meter hurdles champion uh, for the SAC. He's playing in the secondary. 17 tackles and one INT a year ago. Likes to fly around the field. He's he, he's going to be somebody to watch just because his speed and, and really – kind of the cachet he brings in as, as an SAC champion. But uh, uh, yes, I, I think it's only up for Wayne because they've only, right. there's only up to go for them really in a lot of cases. And and so see if they can uh, make some hay in the SAC under Haydock. Uh, and that brings us to our last team in the SAC, or not the last team, a couple more here, uh, the Concordia Lutheran Cadets, um, a team that struggled a year ago. Uh, got that opening night win against Southside, and then it was it was a struggle from there. Mike Eschbach only lasted one season. Tim Manigal is back, um, and I think what benefits them is he was only gone for one year and, and really knows the personnel he has out there and, and, and maybe he can get Concordia back to some similar winning ways of, of a couple years ago. Yeah, Tim, Tim comes back and, you know, Tim's a good coach. I think as far as a system, I don't think they'll miss a beat because I think uh, they ran pretty much what they normally ran at Concordia. You know, they got an experienced quarterback, the Eli Mannix kids back. He had 16, about 1700 yards a game last year. His problem last year was INTs. I mean, he just, just one of those guys that uh, had struggled with throwing the ball to the other team. And I think if he can get that completely, corrected which i'm sure another year under his belt and his completion percentage up um you know they they got a team that always kind of surprises you uh, a little bit in the summit athletic conference and they're always a team that does well in their in their division when they get to the playoffs that's the big thing there is you know they get themselves in a position uh to go into the playoffs as a hot team and i think one thing that gets overlooked a little bit from them they always seem to have a really good defense. I mean, you know, I always felt like they've got a defense that is pretty strong up the middle um, in the years past. And they're just kind of one of those defenses that, you know, once you get around them and watch them a little bit, you're kind of surprised how decent they are uh, in some respects and some of the bodies they got, you know, for a small school. So Tim Manigold does a great job. And he's another coach that I think in the area does a great job uh, coaching his, his school and, uh, you know, teaches the kids what he expects from him. And then they, they go out and do it on Friday nights for him. Yeah. Two and eight a year ago, uh, opening night win against Southside and then didn't win again until the first round of sectionals against Kokomo Northwestern. So uh, an interesting Concordia team with Manigold back uh, and, and 16 seniors on, on the roster, I think right. uh, 
they've they, we know where the focus has been this year uh, in the off season um, and and all of that. And that brings us to our last team then uh, for the SAC, and that and that's the uh, Southside Archers, uh, a team that struggled mightily a year ago. Um, un- now entering second season under uh, Guy Tiny Lee, one in eight a year ago, only fourteen points on the offensive side of the ball, gave up 40, almost 43 points per game on defense. Um, so there again, a lot of room for improvement for Southside. And I think year two to year one to year two, a lot of times for these types of programs, it, it's got to be beneficial just to have a full year with, with Coach Lee. Well, that that helps. You know, you're going to make your biggest strides usually from year one to year two. Let's face facts. He had a lot of adversity last year. I think he lost in one game. He had like, what, 10 or 12 kids out because of COVID protocols. Let's hope we're beyond the COVID protocol game. Who knows? But I hope we are because for a team like Southside, that almost makes them unable to play a game. And that's what ended up happening uh, with a lot of this. But, yeah, they've got a room to go. They lose the Lattimore kid who was a pretty good football player. Um, Quincy English, uh is another one, but I think he feels like he got a better turnout this summer, more guys in the weight room. They feel like they got more kids out for, for the team this year, which always helps because again, Southside's one of those schools that has a lot of talent walking around the hallway. So I think the verdict's out. We'll see what happens as the year goes on. And, you know, the last thing here before we wrap up, you know, this segment with the preview of these teams is, you know, there's going to be a lot of changes next year. Um, and, and the way the schedule is set up, you know, we're going, um, to basically the nine game schedule being out of the summit athletic conference and giving, uh, the schools each an opportunity to schedule outside competition, uh, for the first two games of the year next year, and then moving into a, basically a divisional format for the season with crossover games. But now we're going to see a team like Fishers and Penn and maybe Ben Davis or, you know, one of the Indianapolis schools, although I know this is something the coaches wanted media has been crying for it for the last five years. And, um, I think it betters the, you know, betters us as a whole in Fort Wayne to have the opportunity to play these games where you get some non-conference competition. Well, sure. And I mean, I think that, you know, we talked all through these SAC previews of, of teams getting to regionals and losing or having a not so good season in the regular season, but, you know, getting hot in the off in the postseason, And then, you know, playing a Zionsville or playing Hamilton Southeastern or a Fishers and, 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 and Westfield's another one that really stings a lot of times up this way. And, and so I think it's one of those things where it gives an opportunity for all the schools to play different competition from across the state. I mean, you know, in a little bit, we'll kind of run through some of the scrimmages that are happening this coming Friday. Uh, you know, there are, t- you know, f- teams coming from all over uh, right. that are going to play uh, just a scrimmage. It's some interesting matchups that you wouldn't see that kind of opens the door for, uh, you know, a year from now and, and beyond. Uh, so the SAC is going to switch into two divisions. Uh, with the bigger schools and the smaller schools kind of separated, if you will. By and large, it's the bigger and the smaller schools. So in Division A, you'll have Dwanger, Carroll, Homestead, and Snyder. And then in the smaller Division B, it'll be Bishop Lewers, Concordia, Northside, Southside, and Wayne. They'll have four divisional games, a rotating cross-divisional game, 
and two conference-wide cross-divisional games during the season. Um, so, and the out-of-conference games will be week one and two. So, you know, you can see a potential for, you know, week one out of the box, a Snyder versus a Warren Central, perhaps, or a Dwayne right. versus, you know, I know Lowell is a team that they used to play in semi-state. Maybe we see that in, in a week one matchup. So lots of great opportunities where we're not seeing so much of the same things and the same scores, frankly, on Friday night that we see year in, year out. Um, and, and I think, so I think it's going to be a good change for the SAC and it gives an opportunity for other teams to kind of, um, fight amongst themselves in their own division and, and ultimately crown some SAC champions that way. Yeah, no question. I think it's a good setup and time will tell and, but we'll, you know, get to that point of seeing some of those teams and coming into the city and that'll be a good measuring stick for a lot of teams. So now let's get ourselves prepared for Friday night and these scrimmages coming up that most of these teams are coming off a inter squad scrimmage. And, you know, I think one thing that people can understand what they're going to see in these scrimmages, really the coaches are really trying to get their offenses up to being accustomed to running an eight, nine, 10 play set. So you'll see some open fields, uh, stuff. You'll see some goal line, short yardage stuff, and some red zone. So they'll do a lot of what we call scripted scrimmage, where maybe last uh, Friday night they did more of a true uh, game-like setup. So, you know, I, you got Bishop Dwanger at Carroll. Um, that'll be a good one. Snyder always is with Homestead. Uh, these are all things that uh, I think benefit these schools. And then you can see, like you said, Duke, um, some of the like East Noble and Concordia, that's a good matchup for Concordia to get a measuring stick or Leo at Wayne, you know, Jason Dorfler gets a first chance to see his kids play an, against another school. So it'll be a good night, even though it's under a controlled environment. Sure. I mean, and look at some of those games. I mean, a Dwanger versus Carroll scrimmage, um, you know, that's a that that's like a preseason barn burner here, but the, but the competition. Looking at this group, these these games, these scrimmages. I mean, it's it's pretty even, Stephen, for the most part, too. I mean, Huntington North and Northrop. You know, two teams that are probably pretty even keel as far as their 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 ability and and where they kind of stack up in their respective conferences. Um, Anderson coming into Fort Wayne to play Southside. Um, so you know uh, some some Central Indiana flavor to the sectional line or the scrimmage lineup uh, this weekend. Um, Snyder at Homestead is always fun. Lures at Heritage. I think that's probably called the Kanapke Bowl by now with with all those kids <laughs> that have come through those two schools the last couple of years and and really so it's a really good opportunity to to line up against a different team that isn't your own guys that you haven't been battling all summer to to strap on the helmets and the pads to line up and and hit somebody from a different team. And, you know, obviously you hope, you know, stay away from injuries, get right. some good reps in from your first team and, and have some little bit of fun because the real games come uh, the next Friday night, the 19th, August 19th. And, and those count for real. No question. And I think that's the other thing too, is we don't know what position battles there are out there. These games go a long way to determine who starts next a week from this Friday. You may have some positions that are not set in stone quite yet. And these scrimmages become big evaluation tools for coaches to see how kids handle themselves. It's a whole different ball game uh, when coaches can't get on, 
on the field and cross those white lines. We just get the best seat in the house and let the kids play. So you get that. And I think we're, we're on top of a, a, a good Friday night kickoff to get us to next week. And I'm really looking forward to this, our stuff that we're doing here at upon further review. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. You know, I could ask the people in the audience, do two things for us, like us on YouTube and Facebook and subscribe, because we're going to be bringing these things to you in a live format each and every week throughout the season, right up through the end into the sectionals and stuff. But, um, you know, each and every week will be a little bit different. We'll try to preview not only the other games of the week, but leading into the Friday night game of the week on 1380, the fan 100.9 FM. Dute and I doing the pregame with Jim Shevlin. And then I joined the voice of Fort Wayne High School Sports, Brett Rump, on up in the booth to call these games on Friday night. So um, we hope that you will enjoy all the things that we're doing as we do and come and listen to us. You can find us on all the podcast platforms throughout the internet i would say but dude i look forward to it. what do you think yeah i mean it's going to be a great season and, and this is kind of you know we talked about this as we were kind of figuring out the concept for it all. just kind of an extension of what we do you know we we kind of do the friday night pregame show on the parkview sports medicine high school football tailgate pregame show you do the game the 1380 game of the week with with brett rump and then um this kind of serves as a kind of way to recap to, upon further review, the, the the week that was, the Friday that was, and then move the chains, if you will, uh, to get us to the next week. And and we're we're excited for it. We already know, by the way, Coach, where we're heading for week one when I it know. counts for real. And I'll go ahead and show you that now. We're heading to Homestead. So week one, game one, Northrop at Homestead, 1380, the fan game of the week. Um, pre-game starts at six o'clock, uh, from Walter stadium. It'll be, uh, the coach Jim Shovlin and myself leading you up to a kickoff. And then of course the big game, uh, leading off the, the season, uh, from the booth, the 1380, the fan game of the week between Northrop and Homestead. And then of course we'll have the post-game coverage post-game show with the Coventry pizza hut. So you can find it on 1380, the fan and 100.9 FM. Also, online stream if you're, if you're tuning in from anywhere in the world or just ask your your speakers, uh, the 1380, the fan skill. So, Coach, it's it's going to be an exciting season. Um, this is cool to kind of get this started, to introduce. And we're going to do this all season long, you know, previewing the games, looking back, introducing you to some cool people, uh, cool interviews with players and coaches, and just another way to take high school football in the Fort Wayne area to, to that next level. Yep, we're going to have a good time doing it. We'll try to get as many uh, coaches on as humanly possible as we break down some of these games a little bit more in detail, including some of the kids. Hopefully we get some of the players to come on and join us and talk to them about you know what they think of their team this year and this season coming up. But again, please like and subscribe on YouTube and Facebook. We'll be here each week on Wednesday night at 7 p.m. for Upon Further Review. For Dute, I'm the coach, Coach Griffith. We thank you for being here. God bless and good night. Good night.